So, Warwick, would you rather lose your sight or your hearing? Bloody hell. How do you think of this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just weird, I guess. And why do I let myself be subjected to this on air? Um, it's not like it's a live medium. Sight or hearing? Funnily enough, I had a conversation about this with family on the oh. weekend. Because uh, my mother-in-law, uh, God lover, is um, pretty much deaf. Right. And it's terrible. So, I'd go sight. Because if you can't hear, it makes it really hard to communicate with other people. Right. Like, like hearing is such a key sense. You can hear cars before you cross the road, the sound of your kids telling you I love you, um, just talking to other people, you know, that social connection thing. So yeah. I'd like to keep my hearing and if I had to choose, geez, I yep. don't not put anything out to the universe. No, no. Oh, <laughs> sight for me. Uh, oh. No, hearing. I'd rather lose my hearing. I'd rather see everything. What'd you say? <laughs> Welcome to the Tradies Business Show, helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. And welcome back to another episode of the Tradies Business Show where we uh, we dig into the really deep topics in business about whether you prefer to be deaf or blind. I think it's important to take a moment in life and, and question what you would do. But if you lost your hearing, situation. how would you listen to the Tradies Business Show? Well, exactly. You couldn't. Podcasting would be useless. It would be. So... You know, you could still listen. There you go. But I would. I chose the best one. <laughs> so, listeners, um, we're going to stop rambling on with rubbish, and um, we've got a, a real tradie story for you again today. And this is with a young guy, Steve. Uh, he's twenty nine. Amazing story when you hear it, and he's only twenty nine. I I actually thought he was a lot older. Pretty impressive stuff. With uh, when you look at what this guy's achieved in business and the size of the team that he's built. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the number is. But ten. Yeah, Don't you it's, listen? It's, well, it's more than ten now, oh. smarty pants. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, he's got he's got over ten staff, uh, cabinet-making business, uh, working with some big builders in southeast Queensland and um, doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, we didn't actually have to do much questioning in this interview. It was no, cool. No, no, he's very open and uh, willing to share. Yep. And so we, uh, you know, we really aren't the hosts today. So we were here. Don't worry. We, we were sitting here listening to Steve. So uh, over to you, Steve. And joining us on the show today is Steve from Aspect Cabinetmakers. Steve, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks very much. Good to have you here. So, um, Steve, you're a cabinetmaker. That's correct. <laughs> mate, uh, tell us a bit about... Your journey, you haven't always been a cabinet maker. I mean, how did you get to be the uh, the owner and operator of a, a multi-million dollar cabinet making business here in Queensland? Well, it's a good question, Warwick. Um, basically, I started out doing a pre-apprenticeship course in carpentry. With that, couldn't get an apprenticeship because uh, it was just not available afterwards. So my <clears throat> my original intention was to be a cabinet maker, but the courses weren't available up this side of town. So... Um, I ended up getting an apprenticeship through a local business and basically did my trade there over a period of years. Learnt a lot. It was um, quite challenging, very fast paced, and this was during the building boom, so it was extremely good. There was no time for holidays or anything most of the time. Um, 
And that eventuated into working for several different companies to learn different styles of how they work and how they make things. Um, as they say, change is as good as a holiday. More or less, probably worked for about six or seven different companies over a period of years. Um, ended up going back to the original company I worked for and unfortunately was involved in a, a very serious car accident, which put me out of work and uh, I was off work for a period of nine months. So with that in mind, it pretty much put me in a position that I couldn't go back to do that job anymore and the place I worked for wouldn't compensate for that, which was a bit unfortunate, but it led me into changing my sort of vision or my career path as it was at the time, what I thought I'd be doing for a long time, and went into retail sales and designing for a kitchen company, uh, which was, they had eight branches all over Brisbane, Northside, Southside, Gold Coast, and worked for them for probably two and a half years, developed a lot of different um, ideas, systems, outdoor cabinetry products, a whole range of things really. It was um, very, very different from what I'd been doing for a long time. Going from being a tradesman into a sales and designing role was interesting. It, uh, it was challenging at times, but obviously, you know, having trade skills and being a tradesman, going into dealing with people without any of that experience prior in the trade uh, was, you know, I mean, I'd obviously dealt with people on site installing their kitchens in houses and cabinetry products, but hadn't actually done that side of it, the management side or the administration side in those companies. So going into retail sales was challenging, to say the least. Um, had to adapt a lot. It was probably a big eye-opener, uh, taught me a lot, made me very patient, and um, sort of opened my eyes to what really what it really takes to get a job just to, the, you know, quote from quote stage to making it actually a job and getting it into someone's house. Um, not only did I learn a lot about customer service, uh, problematic customers, all the different things that come into that, it was you know quite developing for myself on a personal level, uh, in my trade skills as well. Pretty fortunate that I had those skills because I could actually bring that to a company. A lot of the people in that company were good designers but didn't have the trade knowledge. So I ended up in a role where I was going around basically training designers or assisting them with, you know, checking certain elements of each design, uh, probably educating them to some level of what needs to be done to get that production ready. Because the company I worked for didn't actually make their own product. They had a wholesale manufacturer who was fantastic and um, they are still operating to this day. Really, really good. They had great systems in place. They had an online portal um, you could utilise, and it was a business-to-business -business solution, so it was it was really good. I think probably one of the big things with that was just going and trying to uh, remove all the mistakes or anything that might be overlooked, because although the trade seems quite easy and non-technical, a lot of people refer to it as box building, uh, which is pretty correct in one sense, but there's a lot of elements that go into the design, manufacturing, installation of each job, whether it be a small job or a you know massive project. So that's where my career path changed uh, I did that for some time it was very rewarding challenging learnt a lot uh, it came to a point where I was doing an excessive amount of travel around southeast Queensland um, wanted to further myself and get back into the cabinet making trade more direct 
uh, rather than working on a sales-based role in a company that's more a retail company. Um, although the company I worked for was fantastic, it was just time for a change. So I took up a job with a residential and commercial cabinet-making business uh, on the south side <clears throat> and more or less went through... Well, my role there was to be an estimator, designer, project manager and uh, production manager, more or less. They were a pretty small company at the time. And since starting there, probably two years of work there, built the company up quite su- substantially uh, and it was phenomenal. I mean, the, the things that were going on, the opportunities that were coming through, the amount of work that was available to take on and probably learning a lot about how important it is to do really good work every time and make sure every customer is satisfied. Bringing that from a retail sense into a commercial sense, um, a lot of people don't do that. So they were probably core strengths that I learned from you know, those changes. Because I was doing that for so long for that business, um, again, I was on the south side and I live on the north side and I was travelling probably two to three hours each way per day due to the highway upgrade. Um, it was time to probably look at relocating as well and it was at that point where I decided to start my own business so that's where I went into starting my own business and setting it up from there in 2009. Cool so I mean most people would uh, think of a major car accident like that and uh, you know we don't need to talk about the actual the actual uh, crash mate but um, as perhaps not necessarily being a positive turning point in someone's life or career but uh, it sounds like that's been pivotal in part of your, I guess, secret to success with your business now is it's forced you to go and get a whole other skill set which you bring to the table as uh, the owner of Aspect Cabinet Makers. That's right, Warwick. Um, at the time, it was a real disadvantage to me as the way I was looking at it. I was you know, very upset with the situation because it was not what I wanted to do. It was not where I wanted to go. I'd just reached a point in my career where... I felt I'd made some pretty good success. I was doing really good work. Uh, anyone I worked for was extremely happy. I was highly productive. I mean, I don't want to float my own boat, but I was definitely a, a key player in any business I worked for. So that was rewarding on myself. Whether I was tired or not, I could see how much I was doing. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. So hard work definitely pays off, but you're right, it was life-changing. Um, definitely wouldn't have seen myself going into retail sales or anything like that but it, it was pivotal in getting on to a, a different mindset really um, looking at it from a different perspective and taking action on well this is the situation I've got how do I use it to my benefit and it worked out to be a, a great advantage uh, not a disadvantage and that's probably the power of changing your mindset yeah, so starting your own business in 2009, a lot of guys going off the tools and, and looking at starting their own business, you know, they have a lot of fears that they go through and worries or what if this doesn't work and things like that. So what were some of the, I guess, fears that you had starting out yourself, having always worked with someone, and how do you, um, what advice would you give someone that's kind of thinking about that now as far as, you know, actually going out on their own? Okay. Um, one of the you, you're definitely right there. There's a lot of fear involved when you go into business for yourself. I guess most people that are trade-based workers or tradesmen that want to go into business will follow the same sort of principles that most people do in a trade. You know, they've either seen someone do it or they know someone who does it. 
um, you know, Joe the plumber and that's how he operates his business and, you know, they'll take those principles and use them and, and I think everyone does, really. Um, I started my business in a recession, which at the time probably wasn't a good idea but it worked out to be a great idea because although I recognised that at the time, <clears throat> um, I started off small with the intention of growing over time Probably not too sure how much growth I would have, um, but knowing that if I could survive in a recession, when we come out the tail end of that, uh, or you know, or should I say the economy was pretty bad at the time, if I could get through that, I could get through anything. And it made me very, very lean operator. Uh, I had to be very careful with cash flow. You had to be in a position where you didn't go overboard. You weren't spending frivolous money. You know, you were just going at the right pace. The fear factor is probably huge. You don't realise until you start getting into it. Um, you start getting more work. You start trying to manage your business in a way that you've never had to manage it before. Um, the, the key thing I found was try not to bite off too much. Try not to overcommit and underdeliver, because that's what a lot of people do in trades. Uh, we all do it. I mean, we're all wanting to provide the best service and the best possible outcome for everyone, but. If you're telling a client that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and you can't back that up with your service, your quality, the value's not there. So there was a lot of uh, fears, probably fear of growth as well. So when you start to realise how much work is available and your reputation's getting out there through referrals because most of the work I got was referral work. I barely advertised at the start. I did a little bit, but I didn't know how to do any of it. I Realistically... When I started my business, I had no business background. I had no formal training. I had no qualifications. I really was just working on what I thought was right. And, you know, you will make mistakes and you'll learn from those. Um, you've got to have your eyes open to it. But the the fear factor is, is very big. And one of the big things with that is probably accepting that the fear is just something you not know about, um, you're not sure about and even seeking some advice from other people, like-minded people, and um, you know, going with your gut instincts as well. That's, that's a, a big thing. So Steve, what's some of the biggest, um, I, I know you've said you've, you've had to overcome a lot of fears, but in terms of growing your business, uh, what are some of the, the really tough decisions you've had to make to achieve that growth? You know, what are some of those hurdles you've had to overcome? I suppose one of the big things is you never know how much growth you're going to have. <clears throat> Over time, it's I suppose you're just going to see it as it goes. You really need to set out a good business plan on where you want to be. I always look at five years. So where do I want to be in five years? Um, not next week, not next month. <clears throat> Pardon me. But setting out a bit of a vision of what you want to do, where you want to get to, because you don't want to be a slave in your own business forever. Uh, and I can tell you now that in any business you start, especially trade-based, you will work hard for a long time before you get to that point. But um, realistically, the o overcoming fears was probably a big thing. Um, Would you say employing people was a, a big jump for you? I know I'm asking you a leading question here, oh, mate, yeah, but no, I, look, I know you've uh, that's right. you've got quite a few um, team working with you now. Yeah. Uh, and I think like most uh, trade businesses and probably any business, um, staff and finding good ones and, and retaining them is a, is a major hassle. Um, 
how did you, I guess, make the decision that, well, crap, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to have to go out and employ people. And how did you yeah. deal with that? Okay. That sort of came about through the amount of work I had. I was just, I was a bit, I'm definitely a workhorse. I love to work. Um, I think everyone does in one way or another, but we all like to have our time off as well. I was working so much that it was just not possible to do the work we had. Um, now, working hours and working extreme hours doesn't always achieve results, especially on your, your own health and your, your personal life. Um, I realised pretty quickly I need to employ someone or many people, depending on the jobs. Some jobs are really big, some jobs are really small. So I tried to take on jobs that I could manage myself for a long time. That basically turned into uh, getting some commercial projects, which I'd require at least someone, maybe two or three people to help me. So I started off by employing someone uh, that I knew, and that worked very well. And, um, you know, basically put a lot of training into them. They were loyal. It was, you know, it was tough trying to work out, you know, how do I go about this? Um, no one around me to sort of give me advice and say, oh, look, this is it. this is the formula to do this. This is the formula to success. Um, and also trying to cover the cost of employing people. So I started off with one employee. That quickly grew in having three. In no time, I had 10. <laughs> and I can tell you now, um, anyone that thinks by employing more people will solve your problems is absolutely <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> they, they're, kind of, they're like rabbits. They multiply, don't they? They do. The, the problems, not the employees. That's right. Yeah. Your employees are detrimental to your success. I mean, you, you've got to ensure that you, know, you appreciate your employees because I don't know many businesses that can operate with one person being the owner and doing all the work. Um, if you don't have good people, it's a reflection of your business. It, it really is. Because so. it, it is a big area that just scares the crap out of uh, our listeners and I was having a conversation with a young guy a young listener uh, of the show the other day and um, he's he's on his own he's got to that point where he can't handle the amount of work that he's got on <clears throat> but I see so many tradies get to that stage where it's that they either just want to stay at that point because they're so afraid of employing people and yeah. the hassles and the headaches that that can bring yeah. but but there's a positive side to it as well isn't there mate there is yeah definitely you've really just got to make sure that when you employ people you employ them for the right reasons and that they're going to actually benefit you and your business as well as themselves because ultimately you don't want to employ someone short term or you know depending on what you're doing and you know what your trade you're in but for me I always had the intention of whoever came to work for me I would definitely look after um, I had a pretty rough trot with my employers as far as how I was treated, so I learned a lot from that. I would never treat people the way I was treated, but I think that was more of a, a generational thing at the time. Um, maybe specific to the industry, but probably through all trades, it can be pretty rough. But I always made sure that if I was going to employ someone, um, it was going to be beneficial to the business and to them as well, um, and putting them in the right role because... Let's face it, if you're putting someone on to work in your business, it's a cost to you um, and they need to be paid each week generally. So you've got to make sure you can cover that. You've got to make sure that that's actually going to get you some sort of progress, not just help. And you need reliable people. And people, we're all human beings, we'll get sick, we'll have to have time off. Um, unforeseen circumstances, you know, lots of different factors that come into it. The more people you end up with, um, the more 
that seems to become relevant. And um, it's something you have to acknowledge and accept from the start. So I was very cautious on employing people. I had this thing in my head that, oh, look, I can do this myself. I, I set up my structure of my business at the start. I was just a sole trader. You know, I thought, oh, I can do all this work myself. I've done it for years. Why can't I do it myself now? Um, and I did. I did it for a long time, but it was killing me. I mean, I was literally working most of my life. I was probably sleeping four hours a night and dreaming about work. So, you know, <laughs> you, yeah, well, probably a bit of both there, Warwick, but um, realistically, you've got to go into it with the right mindset. You definitely need some advice from people, I think. That's probably where I didn't, I didn't ask for advice. Um, I just thought, oh, that's the solution. Employ people. You know, they'll be able to do the work and it all seems really easy in theory and realistically it should be but you're dealing with other human beings and their own lives and their lifestyles and their health and all those sorts of things and um, you know it can be really good at times and really difficult at times and but anyone you employ especially if you've got a long-term vision for your business it's not a short-term fix I, I don't know anyone that's got a short-term business solution or you know it's always an ongoing thing you know we, we get into this for a reason and that's to probably set ourselves up for the uh, dream lifestyle we're all seeking but that takes a long time. So employing people was um, challenging and rewarding at the same time. At first, you don't realise all of these factors that come into it. You know, what happens when this person gets sick and you rely upon them so heavily? I mean, we, we do. Every business does. It doesn't matter what you do. If someone's not at work, you know, although it's beyond their control, it's very difficult to manage. Um, it happens all the time. So everything's always changing you've always got to allow for that sort of unknown circumstances but I would just say that when you're looking when you're working that hard and you're doing all these hours and you're trying to get all the work done you've got to realize that employing people is taking the next step to running a business properly you can't be a trade-based business or any business without good employees um, you just can't do the work or yourself what happens if you get sick you know, what happens if something happens in your family? What happens if you have an accident? Um, when do you have a holiday? I mean, I didn't have holidays for... Well, the only time I had time off was at Christmas, and I probably still do at this, this point of time now. I still only have time off at Christmas, and um, I've tried to change that a lot because I've got two young girls and, you know, my wife, so we need to spend time together. And so we try to have sort of four weekends of the year or maybe a short week getting to that stage now where we can have a little bit of time but you need to know your people can take control of that while you're away as well i would encourage anyone that's in a business that's worried about employing people to don't worry about the employing side of it it's it's how you're going to utilize them in your business you know do you actually have enough work to employ someone no one wants a part-time job no one wants a one day a week job in a trade usually and if they do, they're probably not doing the right thing. Um, Trade-based businesses, I think, generally need to be working five days a week. So if you're going to employ someone, you're probably looking at a full-time perspective and a long-term perspective. And that's their livelihood as well. So it's not just yours, it's theirs. Uh, it's their their income that they rely upon to, to come into each, each week into their bank account. And the same for you. You need to be able to get that value back from the employee um, in your business to cover that and help grow the business as well. So you've got to be very careful selecting your staff, but there is some really good people out there. Sometimes it takes a long time to find them. Um, you know, as we've learned 
over the years as well. It can take a long time, and then all of a sudden the right person comes along and just blows you out of the water, and and you will grow and you will take it to the next level. So it's um, fear based again. If you got that fear of employing people, you just got to assess your situation, make sure that you've got enough work, and you know is it the right time to do it. You've got to keep in mind for your own sake. Can you maintain that workload yourself? Probably not. You know, we all work ourselves into the ground running a business and you'll end up burning yourself out. So your customers don't really understand that. And another thing is when you're really busy and you're struggling to keep up your workload, clients don't really care about other clients' work. You know, you're doing a job for them, so you need to make sure you can service their needs. That's what you signed up for. That's what they signed up for. And that's what they're paying you to do, so... Yeah. So one thing you said it was really hard in a mistake you made at the start is not probably recognising your staff and the value of them. So what tips do you have around, you know, actually re- attracting the right type of staff and keeping them happy there long term? Um, I think a lot of it probably comes down to making sure that role suits that person. So, you know, interviewing people properly. I, being at that stage not really business-minded, uh, we'll just employ people. Oh, you need a job. Okay, well, you know, this is what we're doing. Can you do that? Yep, cool. Come on board, let's do this and, you know, invest a lot of time and effort into them and, and they'd eventually probably want to do something else and move on um, or whatever the, the circumstances might be. Attracting the right staff, most people are driven by money, so that's probably a key factor. Um, you know, what is that role going to be? How can, it, how can the employee come into your business and benefit you and be a benefit to them? Because, you know, everyone wants to grow as well. No one wants to come into a job and be stagnant and just be in one position. So you've got to be thinking long-term, how can they progress and how will that work for your business? Um, that all comes back to, you know, remuneration. So what are they going to earn each year? How can you st- stagger that to the point in, in comparison to what they're going to do for you? And um, finding loyal people. So that's that's probably a key thing. Um, just not rushing into things and, and being selective. You know, it's okay to not employ someone because they just don't have the the attributes you're looking for or and you know, you don't have to be nasty to people because that doesn't get you anywhere. You've just got to be honest and um, make sure that they are gonna be a right fit. Because a lot of people I think employ people and are too scared to tell them that they're not the right fit. And um, look, at times I, I had people working for me that probably weren't suitable at all, but they had really good work ethic and they were reliable. And, you know, sometimes that can outweigh a really good tradesperson or someone who's really skilled because I found that people that were really reliable would get the, get the job done eventually. People that are really good and not reliable don't turn up and let you down all the time, so... There's such good points, mate, and there's there's uh, you know a bit of an adage, I guess, about hire slowly and fire fast. Uh, of as you say, take the time, um, don't rush into employing people. Uh, but I guess the other thing, and I, I see, it's something that trades uh, trade business owners probably struggle with more than a lot of business owners is letting go of people who aren't suitable because they feel bad and and like you say you know people looking for full-time jobs and income security and all that and and i honestly think a lot of our listeners uh are 
actually too nice when it comes to yep. making those decisions to the detriment of their business and their family. Um, so I think it's important to recognize that somebody's not suitable and just have that conversation with them and say, look, mate, I don't think this is working out. Um, I need to see these things change or we're going to have to have that conversation about whether this is good for both of us. That's exactly right. And it's something that everyone tries to avoid. I don't think anyone likes to be in a position where they're actually, well, people say to me sometimes, oh, it must be good being the boss. I hate it. I don't like being the guy who's got to go and tell someone, <clears throat> pardon me, go and tell someone, look, you're not doing your job right. You know, I need you to improve in this area. It doesn't matter how much you sugarcoat it. People take either offence to it or it's it, it's upsetting. I mean, it is naturally upsetting. I, I would be upset if someone told me, look, you know, you're not doing your job good enough and we need to improve. And But you, you need to tackle those situations early. And although, you know, you shouldn't attack it, you can try and help people through. In my experience, I've tried to help so many people through uh, getting better and improving because, you know, we all have ups and downs in our lives. So work isn't perfect because your lifestyle, you might have things going on in your life in the background that no one knows about and probably has a massive effect on your day-to-day well-being and your, your attitude and things. So I'm pretty accommodating with that. I think you know, most people's downfall could be other things not work-related. So I always try and help people through. Um, but there comes a point where you have to address those issues. You have to be, you know, fair and reasonable about it. But what you need to ask yourself is if you're in that, if you're in that situation where you're concerned about addressing it, is put the shoe on the other foot for a minute. Are they going to do what you're doing for them? If you can answer that with, yes, they would, then maybe it's worth trying to work through. I would suggest anyone should work through issues. You shouldn't just fire people because they don't have a good day one day or something. That's, you know, we're all human beings. We're just going to have ups and downs. Um, But if you've got continual problems with someone or something, it needs to be addressed pretty quickly because all of a sudden you're three months down the track or three years down the track and you've got cash flow problems and you've got attitudes that spread throughout the workforce that you've got. The team morale goes down. Um, You know, you need really good attitudes from your staff and that all comes from the top. But you can't, you can be a really good leader and a really good motivator but you can only do so much to motivate people. They have to bring that to work with themselves as well and have to be able to you know, show that that's their qualities. Um, so, yeah, definitely approaching things in the right manner. And, look, a lot of people take it the wrong way, take it to heart, and that's unfortunate. But you're running a business. It's not a charity. Um, and you're ultimately going to end up with an issue where that person can just step up and walk away at any time anyway, and you're left with, you know a disadvantage you know you could have found someone to replace them before they left or you know it's it's a lot of it's timing so I, i would encourage people to try and work through issues you know always but there's a certain point where that that can't be done so obviously you've got this you know, bigger team now and you're growing and that would have also been another change in mindset for you that perhaps you needed to start doing more marketing and getting your name out there. So what have yeah. you done to really grow the business to be able to sustain such a good team? Look, I, I definitely um, was pretty ignorant to marketing at the start. I had this approach that I, mean, I was pretty probably fortunate that the work I was doing was really good. But I was doing most of it myself, so I had a lot of control over it. I knew how to get those results. I knew what I was capable of. 
So my clients were very happy. They were telling everyone they knew. That is an amazing, uh, it's amazing to see the referral network, how that works. You know, the, the power of referrals is great. Recommendations. Um, I was working on that for a while. I started doing bits and pieces of advertising, probably more traditional stuff like putting ads in the paper, um, magazines, things like that. Really didn't do a great deal of advertising. Um, now that we have started doing that, especially on the internet, so social media based, uh, you know, Google, so you're getting found when people search for, not just, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, who actually looks for your business if they don't know you? No one's looking for, you know, your business name. They're looking for, you know, a plumber or a carpenter or in that area. So you've got to be smart with that. That's probably a really good starting point. There's quite a few um, companies out there that will do lead-based generation for you. So you can pay their money for them to give you leads. I found most of the ones that I signed up to weren't very good. And I found some that are very good. So it's a mixed bag. Um, marketing is very important. Marketing, I think, would go in, in lieu with your vision and where you want the business to go and how fast you want it to grow. What sort of clients do you want? What sort of clients do you uh, prefer? We don't always have a choice in business who we deal with. Uh, well, realistically, we, we do. But if you're trying to grow your business at times, you've got to be, you know, I found at one stage, I take on any job. And that was okay, but there were some jobs that you probably shouldn't have taken on. Um, not because it was too big or too hard, just that the value wasn't there. I could have been doing better work, but it was all I could get at the time. And that was in the very beginning, so you quickly learnt. Yeah, marketing was a key key thing in getting the right clientele to come to you. Um, as far as what we've done in marketing over the years... We're probably not doing a great deal still. A lot of it, our work has come from, um, you know, word of mouth referrals. Our reputation in the industry has grown a lot as well. Um, but in saying that, we work in residential and commercial. So if you're a residential or retail-based trade, you need to be found. People need to find you. So that's that's where you've got to be. You've got to be finding avenues that can help market you to people, 90% of people jump on Google now and just type it in. I mean, most of us do that for anything now. Um, I've got people that I deal with all the time and I've forgotten to save the number of my phone. I jump on Google and put it in and ring them off that. So that's a pretty good indication that, you know, internet is a heavy, uh, heavy area to, to find people. Um, depending on whether you're a business that has a shop front or whether you're a business that, you know, is in homes or coming to people's houses... You've got to be found. If, you, if you're not found, you're not. no one knows who you are. Um, Branding is probably pretty important to some degree, but again, it depends on the trade you're in. So we've done a bit of marketing. We're going to start upping that now because we got to a point where we had that much work we couldn't cope anyway. We, we were turning back work, and we still do to this day. We have, you know, we qualify our leads. So, you know, especially with uh, kitchens, it's, it's quite quite a lot of work involved just in the customer relationship process at the start, you know, consulting them, going into the house, going through what they want, um, you know, identifying what they're actually trying to achieve and meeting their budget. And no one wants to give you a budget, so, you know, it's very hard, but it's all time-consuming things. You want to make sure you're getting the right clientele that suits what you can do for them. And um, I would say be very careful how you market 
and ask people, you know, what do they do? I never asked anyone. What do you do to market your business and do you find it works? Now I'll do research on anything uh, just to ensure that I'm putting my money in the right place. And, you know, you definitely want to <clears throat> definitely want to get leads coming in from your marketing but not too much that you can't cope because then you let people down. And I think most trade-based business people or tradesmen in general, we want to keep everyone happy. So, you know, you never knock back work, do we? We're always saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll come out there on Tuesday. And um, if you don't turn up on Tuesday and you ring her up on Tuesday and say, look, I can't get there till tomorrow, and that goes on and on, people start getting very annoyed. So Great way to <clears throat> destroy your reputation, mate. Absolutely. So, uh, Steve, there's some fantastic tips in there, mate. Um, and Michaela and I haven't had to do much talking today because uh, <laughs> you've pretty much shared everything that we would have got out of you via questions. But if you had to, um, I guess... Uh, pick one thing that you could share with a thousand tradies in a room. It's a question that uh, we love to ask all of our guests on the show. So, thousand tradies in the room, mate. What's one piece of advice or one of your lessons that you'd you'd like to share with them? Look, one I've probably got a few bits of advice, but um, one thing would be don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you'll learn very quickly if if you if you do work with say. Let's just say a builder, for example, and they, they're quite a large builder. Um, they get a lot of work. You know, you, you build a good relationship. I mean, relationships are everything in, in, in your industries. You know, you've got to be able to service your clients. You don't want to be putting all your eggs in one basket because if something changes in that relationship, all of a sudden you, you've invested all of your time and energy into keeping that one business or one person happy, and you'll you'll have nothing. So. That's probably a key thing. Now, that doesn't apply to all trades because, you know, some of us do different levels of work, but I'd be very selective in that. You want to have good key suppliers and good relationships with key customers, but you've got to have a range of that. Um, don't categorise yourself into one industry, like one thing, like for us, we do residential and commercial. Most people in our industry only do one or the other. At times, one will be doing really well and then it'll drop off. So you've got to have your head in both and you've got to be able to service both well big bit of advice for anyone that's um, maybe whether you've started your business now had it running for a year or 10 years if you're working for yourself and you want to take it to the next step you really need to you know you need, you need to ask yourself is can you maintain working especially if you buy yourself uh, I see a lot of people, and I have a lot of friends that work by themselves in their trade and have their own business, and they work themselves to the bone. The money that you're making, you know, what what are you actually doing with it? Are you, you know, what's happening with your family? What's what's going on there? Is, is there any benefit to that? You know, work out where you want to go in, in your business. Sit down and actually do a business plan, which could be written on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be a 40-page document that meets someone's standards of of university or anything like that. It's just got to be, what is your vision? What's your goals? Making it achievable and giving yourself some time to achieve it. Don't be afraid to take it to the next step. Um, for a long time, I was probably afraid to take my business to the next level because I didn't know if we could support it financially. I didn't know if we could get the work. I didn't want to jeopardise my staff and their careers being hinged on, you know, what happens if I employ 10 people? And then all of a sudden we can't get to work. They're going to lose their jobs. Um, so there's a lot of fear. There's so much fear. I would say um, talk to people, find out what they do, 
um, maybe you know look at someone who's a professional in that in that area as well get some advice um, there's yeah look there's so many avenues there's, there's so take. much uh, that that we can take out of that mate so yeah um, yeah I guess uh, you know take the jump if you're thinking about it stop thinking about it and yeah, do it and um, as you've shown mate it can work out really well if, if our listeners want to find out a bit more about aspect cabinet makers Steve uh, what's the best way to do that look if anyone wants to um Get in touch with us. They're welcome to give us a call or send us an email. So you can call us on one three hundred double five one zero five four. If you want to send me an email, you can send it to sales at aspectcabinetmakers dot com dot au. I like, got, that, I like that you don't give out your personal email address, mate. No. <laughs> it's sales at and uh, your website is uh, what's your web address, it's mate? Aspectcabinetmakers.com.au. Awesome, and they can yeah. go and see uh, what one of uh, Southeast Queensland's best cabinet makers looks like on the internet, mate. I'm sure they'll find you on Google, Steve. They sure should. <laughs> well, mate, thanks for coming in today, and thanks for sharing your stories. There's, uh, as I've been sitting here listening, it's like, geez, we could write a book about uh, some of your lessons, mate. Yeah, uh, and I'm Hopefully sure, it helps. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners have got uh, stacks out of that. And if you want to get in touch with Steve, I know he's very generous with his time uh, when he's not playing with his kids or working twelve hours a day. Yeah. So uh, hit him on the website and uh, and say good day, mate. Thanks again for coming into the studio. No problem. Thanks to you both. Cheers. So some really great lessons there from Steve, especially about, you know, just getting over your fear. Just do it. Take imperfect action. That's what I say. Don't be a pansy. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Or just overcome your fear. But, yeah, so much good stuff in there. And I know he had more. We couldn't get him out the door, basically. He was like, oh, yeah, and there's this and there's that. And um, wealth of information. Yeah. We'll have to do a part two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Steve part two. Yeah, the sequel. (laughs) But um, yeah, he was he was talking about uh, after we finished the interview uh, about the fact that he's actually now outsourcing some of his quoting um, or the the design work. So mm. uh, and that's working really well for him. So he's he's finding clever ways to do more with less, which is really what employing people and leveraging business is all about. So yep. um, pretty cool stuff for a, a guy who hasn't even hit thirty yet. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so if you'd like to learn more about improving your business and how to leverage more or just how to be better at your, your craft, uh, one way to do that would be to go and get some training. And um, it's a good opportunity for me to give a shout out to our show supporters, Face to Face Training. So they help us bring the Tradies Business Show to you uh, twice a week. So go check them out, facetoface.edu.au and uh, get in contact with the guys if you want to get your staff trained and get them some formal qualifications, get them better at uh, business management or concreting or whatever they're doing. Or even for yourself as a business owner, there may or may not be some government incentives involved at the moment, but you should really talk to uh, the team at Face to Face so that McCarroll and I don't get in trouble <laughs> for saying something we're not allowed to. Uh, but go and check them out. They support us, so please support them. Yes, and our other thing that will help you in your business is also the Tradies Business Toolkit, which is our online membership site, which really arms you with tools and resources that you need to grow your business just like Steve and and stop being the the solo tradie doing it all and actually start getting help in your business and building an asset. Hmm. Uh, And it's only um, a dollar for the first month. US US. dollars. Yes, we did get in trouble. (laughs) Thanks for that, Matt. If you're listening, mate. Uh, so yes, one US dollar. 
and uh, that's for the first 30 days and for a, about another week or so, depending mm. when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this after the 30th of June, sorry, you really needed to get in sooner, but uh, it's 10 bucks a month. If you join before the end of June 2015, and after that the price is going up, don't worry, it's not going up to 100 bucks. Uh, but yeah, as a foundation member, we'd love you to jump in there and uh, have $10 a month for life. So, US. Uh, US, US dollars. Yep, asterisk. So uh, check out the toolkit, check out face-to-face training. Hope you got a ton of great stuff out of Steve's interview today from Aspect Cabinet Makers. Go and check him out as well. And um, I'm going to check out now and say hooroo. Bye. You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.